Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. So the time is almost upon us where we hear who the 15 men uh, will be chosen who will be going over to England to represent the Proteas at the 2019 Cricket World Cup. It's an event that's very close to South Africans' hearts, but it also brings back uh, a fairly scary memories. Of course, we've never won the event. We've taken part seven times. The very first one back in 1992, uh, and we're done over by the dreaded rain rule that was before um, the Duckworth-Lewis method, and it's been heartbreak ever since. Uh, of course, our last participation in the tournament was in 2015 over in Australia. Australia and New Zealand. We got knocked out in the semi-finals at Eden Park in Auckland by the hands of an ex-South African in Grant Elliott. We'll never forget. Uh, can 2019, though, be the one that changes things? Well, on the line, we've got a man who is synonymous with South African cricket. Uh, he's a legend of the game. He's also a legend when it comes to World Cups because He's uh, played 25 matches, he's played across three World Cups and he scored 1,067 runs uh, across the board at an average of 56.15, two centuries along the way at an average of 143 and uh, I'm talking about none other than one Herschel Gibbs. He also has a, a world record in that, uh, of course, it was the famous six sixes in one over back in 2007. Hirsch, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, firstly, can you remember who the bowler was that uh, you smacked for Six sixes. <laughs> the unfortunate bowler, Derek. Mm. Um, first, his name was Dan Van Bunga, but uh, he then subsequently, uh, well, re- were retired from the game not too long after that, but then made a, a strong comeback. But I have no idea where he's at at the moment. But uh, it was a very, very funny and tiny few minutes. That particular over, nonetheless. I, I'll i never forget. You, you're correct, of course. It was Dan van Booger. <laughs> and uh, during yeah. the press conference afterwards, the question was posed to the Dutch captain. I forget his name. And, and they asked him about that particular over. And he said, well, Dan bowled some good balls and some shit balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take it any way I come. You know, <laughs> you know, can't complain. How he gets his runs as long as he gets his runs. So. Um, you know, it's just one of those things, really. <laughs> Hirsch, uh, yeah, looking back at your career, I mean, I mentioned those numbers. It's certainly a tournament that you flourished in. Um, and is there one that you really look back with particular fondness um, that, that, that you'd love to relive again? I, I suppose we could probably go back to 99 <laughs> and relive the semifinal. <laughs> yeah, look, out of the three, I enjoy from a touring point of view. You know, I think it's, well, as far as my opinion is concerned, I think that, um, you know, there's no domestic, any, no flying there. You know, when you go to the UK and you're on the, you know, you're on the bus for, for the two months, which is a very different way of traveling, you know, obviously compared to when you're actually in the country traveling, you know, you get on flights, et cetera, et cetera. And from just being on the bus point of view, I think it does a lot for, for everyone, uh, because you're on the road for a couple of hours at a time. I mean, you're virtually on the road every day. But um, I really, for me, was a great... Uh, I really love the UK, simply for, because of that. Irrespective of what happened in the semi-final or the the group stage, you know, the, the Super Sixes as they were called in, um, uh, was for me the probably the most... Uh, the one I enjoyed the most, even though, it, I mean, I managed to average... 98 in 2003 was the best year, obviously, in South Africa. So I think 99 of, of the three was definitely the one I enjoyed the most. Let's get it out of the way now. Let's just put it aside. <laughs> Talk about that, that, that attempted catch slash drop catch yeah. uh, against Steve Waugh. And hmm. did, did Steve Waugh really say those, those famous words about you've just dropped the World Cup? No, 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 never. Um, and firstly... <laughs> We must just state that the catch was caught. Yes. It was in the process of throwing it up that I dropped it. But because it happened so quickly, um, you know, people will obviously say that I dropped the catch. But uh, Steve Waugh even clarified the whole matter in his autobiography. Um, I think I didn't really actually ask him what he said even after the game. He might have said that the, that particular moment cost them, cost us the match at the post-match you know, conference, uh, press conference. 
And because they went on to win the tournament that particular year and the year after and the, <laughs> the year after, <laughs> he was happy to go along with that myth in that particular year. So, um, but he, you know, just to clarify, <laughs> he didn't say that. Okay, yeah. Uh, he he played an unbelievable, unbelievable innings to win the game. But, um, yeah, these things, you know, do, uh, do happen as many a cricketer has found out. Yeah, no, certainly so. Now, now Hirsch, mm. of course, we we on the cusp of hearing who the squad will be uh, going yeah. over to England. And I think if you ask all and sundry, you could pretty much cement 12 to 13 of those names. But uh, there come some big questions when, when you come to the likes of Hashim Amla, Reza Hendricks, Chris Morris, Heinrich Klaassen, etc. Uh, you've got the certainties along the lines of Faf Duplessis, Quinton de Kock, um, JP Dumney to... to, to an extent, I suppose, uh, Dale Stane, yeah. etc. Um, you you tweeted your selected squad a, a couple of days ago, but you did yeah. put sixty names in. So interesting to know <laughs> yeah. who, who 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 gets the cut. I'm just going to go over the names quickly of the sixteen, and yeah. then we'll find out the reasons why. And, well, firstly, we'll find out who the sixteenth man is that won't be tra- traveling, according to you, yeah. and then you can talk us through. So Faf Duplessis, Quinton de Kock, Reza Hendricks, Aidan Markram. J.P. Dermany, David Miller, Rassi van der Dissen, Kukisa Rabada, Imran Tahir, Dwayne Pretorius, Dale Stan, Anrik Nokia, uh, Lungen Gidi, Andile Paklakwayo, Buren Hendricks, and Tabrez Shamsi. As mentioned, only 16 there, so who's not going on the plane? Yeah, for me, I, I, ended up, it, I think it was going to be a shootout between Reza Hendricks and Rassi van der Dissen, and I ended up going with Reza Hendricks simply for the fact that I mean, I, I watched obviously over the summer and had to do some quite a, a lot of analysis of it in, in, in Dubai. Um, yeah. I think from a batting point of view, because Riza Hendricks is an opener, um, he's able to shift his a little bit easier from, you know, throughout these innings. Uh, he bats at the, the same sort of tempo, which, which I enjoy because it keeps momentum throughout the innings from, from the get go. Um, whether he, whether or not he was, I mean, whether or not he's inconsistent, uh, I still liked what I what I saw with with regards to him, uh, Riza, and especially even obviously at uh, ODI level. With regards to Rocky van der Dissen, I enjoyed his composure under pressure. Um, in mind the fact that you know there wasn't big totals for them to chase. I mean, there was quite a lot of. Intensity, which is always at the international level, but uh, his composure under pressure was good. Um, but when we batted first, I just thought that he, he didn't put the bowlers under pressure enough um, the first half of his of his innings. You know, I think he's not there to consolidate. I mean, he's there as a top order batsman, especially batting first, is to keep that that pressure on the bowlers throughout the innings. Um, and and that's where I think Reza. He's a bit more, you know, I'd rather go with Riza with regards to my choice than Rashi van der Dissen, even though I think van der Dissen composure was, was really good. Um, yeah, from that point of view, I'd, I'd go with Riza. The rest of my my squad is basically, um, you know, it's the usual suspects. Um, I, I mean, I didn't go with Chris Morris. I mean, I know Andili Petrakwaya and, and Dwayne Pretorius offer the same with regards to all-rounders, um, you know, the goal is very similar. Um, the fact that Petr Lequire obviously bat left-handed um, and he's been a little bit more effective with the ball than, than Dwayne Pretorius. So, those two, as far as the all-rounders are concerned, I did was a bit that Sammy needs to do some weight. I mean, I blame that uh, the Proteus trainer for not actually looking after him or getting him on a diet and, you know, especially for the World Cup because he's also... Um, a liability in the field when it comes to him being so heavy in the field. Um, yeah, so, I, I, I did love uh, the way you tweeted it because you named your squad in the last two. You had Buren Hendricks as the wild card in brackets and then you said yeah. Shamsi minus five kilograms. Yeah, for a big occasion like a World Cup, you, I mean, you can't have guys that are overweight and they're supposed to be the fit. It happens every four years. I mean, the guys are... The only reason I because in his comfort zone, and um, he knows basically that he's going to be going to the World Cup because um, they, they obviously will take two 
specialist spinners. They'll have JP, you know, to bowl his offies like they have, like he has in the past. Um, and I think Bjorn Hendricks, obviously, you know, he's the only left arm, left arm quick in the whole of South Africa. Can you believe it? I mean, I can't believe that uh, we don't actually have a, a permanent left arm seamer in, in the Proteus team. And whereas all the other nations around the world have at least one or two. Um, which, from a pre- preparation point of view, as far as the opposition is concerned, you know, you, you're able to to prep quite easily, <laughs> one-dimensional in your knowing that your opposition, like South Africa, is going to be all right on seamers. Um, and I think Darren Hendrick, whether or not he's good enough, you know, he's got nothing to lose. Um, you know, offers you that that extra variety of being a, a left-arm seamer. Dwayne Pretorius, um, another interesting one because I've seen mm. a lot of squads featuring him. I've seen a lot not featuring him. And, and it's someone yeah. where, of course, if you look back in the past, and I know you've been very vehement on this, is our lack of all-rounders in, in recent years, given yeah. how strong we were back in the day. And he's certainly someone who, who hasn't cemented his place in the squad, but it's almost by process of elimination in that, well, here's a guy who can bat and bowl, and we need someone who can do both. We've, we've got Andile... Who else do we have? Yeah, um, I mean, Chris Morris has been spoken about and spoken of, and um, you know everybody talks about the X factor that he has, and um, we don't really see that X, X factor often enough. You know, he blows hot and cold. He's been injured for a while too. I mean, he's come back, um, but you know he hasn't shown any of that consistency needed, you know, to make him effective. Now, from that from that point of view, um, you can't. I mean, it doesn't really doesn't come into the equation. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he okay. He bowls he bowls quickly enough. I mean, his first one, his first few overs is normally quite quick and early one forties, if you know, on his day. But you know, that's where he's been so inconsistent with regards to the ball. Yes, you know, he can clear the boundaries when it comes to batting, but. You just don't see it often enough, and there's too much, un, you know, uncertainty with regards to who is actually going to, you know, rock up. And um, his numbers are not not flattering at all as with regards to ODI cricket. So um, Pretorius and Petlaquai have been used more often, and you know, the selectors, when it comes to those two, um, have a better indication and a better, you know, confidence level as far as choosing those two are concerned. You just you know, you don't want to go to the World Cup with any concerns. Now, if you went, the other concern would obviously be Hashim Omla. Now, everybody that's that seen Hashim over the last, in the summer, I mean, it's, not, it's definitely not the Hashim of all. Um, he's 36 years old. I mean, he's not a, he's not a natural athlete like an AV civilian. Um, you know, putting aside now the batting issue. Um, I mean, he's, he's spoiled a lot of, a lot of catches this, this season. Um, uh, I mean, you can see he's an old, he's an old 36 with all respect to him. He's an old 36 year old. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's definitely not the Hashim of old. And, uh, you know, he, his feet movements, I think, uh, with regards to his batting this year, hasn't, hasn't been great at all. Um, I mean, he got bowled quite, quite comfortably quite a lot of times and even not making runs in domestic level. So, I mean, as far as the selection point, there wouldn't be any confidence in him um, simply because he hasn't had any form um, and his fielding hasn't been great. So, I mean, Markham, on the other hand, if you had a straight shootout between the two, he's been, you know, getting in some big numbers as far as the domestic cricket is concerned. Um, and, and the man in form. So, I would, you know, I would definitely go with go with Markham ahead of uh, Amla and just uh, and say, well, uh, Amla, you know, as far as the World Cup hopes are concerned, is as good as gone. Yeah, 
it's amazing what how things can change in, in a month or two. I mean, if, if you had asked anyone uh, a month or two back about Aiden Markram, I think the responses would have been iffy at best. He, he wasn't yeah. uh, in the ODI squad. Uh, suddenly, he, he, he put on the form in the momentum one-day cap. He, he looked simply sensational. And then, of course, was a late entry into the squad against Sri Lanka and then once again showed his class. So from going from the completely the outside looking in, suddenly it looks as if uh, he's one of the first names uh, on Otis Gibson's list. Oh, like I said, I mean, I would definitely go with him. He's the informed batsman, um, you know, at the top order to open with with um, with Quinny, and then I'd say obviously it was Reza, and then you know, batting at number three. Uh, you know, if you look at the specific roles, and that's why I think that you know, Funded Disson, you know, he's more of a the grafter in the first half of his innings, he just doesn't put enough pressure on the bowlers in his first half of his innings is concerned. So if you went in with Reza at three, you know, you have two guys that are, are bashers up front. Reza could still keep that momentum and if need be, if I've come in obviously at number four, and, you know, just to hold the innings a little bit and, and play a bit more of a, you know, bit more of a timid role, you know, JP at five and, and Davey at six. So, um, yeah, each will have a specific role, and I didn't. I just don't think. I don't know if if Rusty Van der um would be able to play that part. You know, like a Ariza Hendricks is. You look at all the you know the top order batters these days. They they definitely bashes, and you know their strike rates are quite high, and you know they get on with things up front. If you look at India, you look at um, look at England. Obviously, are the two hot favourites. Even Australia now over the last. Last couple of months, title contenders yet again. You know, they they all guys that they give the ball a, a smack up front. So I've gone with Risa Risa Hendricks. You know. Yeah, I was going to ask about uh, Harassi when you when you brought it up earlier because I know stats don't tell the whole story, but I mean, if you were to go to a non-cricketing expert and and show him Rassi Fandadison's stats, I mean, they'd say you're absolutely mad not to take him given yeah. how many runs he scored yeah. and what he averages. For me, I just think that. Um, you know the the type of player that that Reza Hendricks is. I'd like to see him rather than you know Thunder Dixon, um, uh, and that would obviously you know solve the batting point of view. And then extra bowler with uh, with Norky, you know, as a as a seamer. Hirsch, I don't really yeah. recall you ever wearing the gloves. In international cricket, um, I mean, I know you were regarded as one of the best fielders in the game. Um, we're going. It looks more than likely that David Miller is going to be our backup keeper. Um, Heinrich Klaassen looked decent for the role, but uh, his form has waned somewhat. Um, yeah, from your experience, uh, again, I, I don't know if you ever wore the gloves, but um, I mean, how, how, how tough a job is it? Yeah, Bachi. I mean, he will tell you how difficult it is, but if need be, you know, you, you fly a, a keeper in. I mean, let's. You know, fingers crossed that nothing happens to Quinny. But um, I mean, it's basically six weeks. You know, you'll, uh, there'll be a game or two that that for if need be that that Quinny could be arrested. But you know, if need be, you fly someone in, and you know that's it. But um, I mean, David Miller it looked okay. I mean, he, <laughs> that's about it. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say when it comes to using that question. But um, he looked all right. I mean, hopefully we don't need we don't don't need a backup, you know, keeper. There's a lot of squads that don't have backup keepers, and that's just the chance you got to take, really. You know, you rather worry about an extra batsman or extra bowler or extra spinner rather than an extra um, backup keeper. Yeah, it's amazing because, in complete contrast, you've got India. Uh, who are always a strong side, especially when it comes to ODIs. And, and they've just selected Dinesh Kartik um, over Rishabh Pant. And, and Pant looks to me to be one of the most exciting prospects uh, in the cricketing world. Um, yet they preferred to go with a, a better keeper. Yeah, every squad is, has a different composition as to the players available, and et cetera, et cetera. We don't really. I mean, because we've always had a specialist keeper. We've never really taken... We've never taken a, a special, uh, well, a backup keeper in as far as the World Cup is concerned. So um, it's just easier just to fly someone in if the if the if the actual keeper, number one keeper, gets injured. Um, it's and let's hope it's, it's not the issue with with Quinny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, if push comes to shove, if it means a game or two, then <laughs> David Miller 
people have to do that. He's fit enough, I mean, and to uh, light a couple of hours with the gloves on. What do you reckon of our chances? Uh, I mean, I think this is one of the few World Cups where we're going into where we're not out-and-out favourites. Uh, we're always there or thereabouts. Uh, seems to have flown under the radar in recent times. And, I mean, mm. it, of course, we know the, the heartbreak and the history when it comes to South Africa and World Cups. And almost unbelievably, the last one uh, in 2015 when we lost out to New Zealand. Um, when yeah. we beat Sri Lanka in that quarterfinal, that was the first time we've ever won a knockout match in the history of the Cricket World Cup. We made semis before, but those were in different formats where you went straight into semifinals and you had a Super yeah. Six stages, etc. But an out-and-out knockout match, we've only won one in our history. At least it was the most recent one and not the one back in 1992. Everybody is desperate for, uh, for us to win a World Cup. But um, not being one of the favourites this year, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise and, you know, just can play out with complete freedom and a, a couple of new younger faces making going to be making their their debut as far as World Cup is concerned. You know, they go there with no no issues or no baggage really, but um, with complete freedom. Hirsch, finally, I mean, yeah. you spoke about Hashim being an old 36. I mean, if we look back mm. at, at your last uh, foray in the international arena, I think you were a very young 34 um, <laughs> when, when, when you ended your, your ODI career back in, in 2010. It's yeah. hard to believe. We almost a, a decade ago since uh, you last yeah. represented South Africa. That was against India and Ahmedabad. Um, do, do you reckon you had a lot more to offer the game at, at an international level? I think, uh, yes, for sure. I think, um, obviously, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my book, my autobiography that came out, I think I would definitely have gone to the to the 2011 World Cup. Um, uh, and I still stand firmly, you know, with regards to that. Um, and I still had a lot to offer. I mean, I still felt enough and still hungry enough. There was a lot that I still wanted to achieve. Funny, though, I mean, three years later, when I last played in a professional team in 2013. It was the first time I was actually mentally tired. Um, at least, you know, uh, one thing, uh, you know, the World Cup, which I ultimately <laughs> wanted so badly. Um, and that's why I still think that 2011... You know, I would have definitely have been in the squad. And, I mean, you, you mm. mentioned the book. I mean, in hindsight, uh, uh, do you regret bringing out the book or at least bringing out the book at that time? Um, no, I don't. Uh, you know, I personally believe in you know, a lot of people that obviously read the book and, and there's so many people that read the book. They, a lot of them have told me that there was nothing in there that uh, valid me, um, you know, uh, losing my contribution to Africa and, and the captain at the time. Mr. Smith didn't agree with it. So, yeah, I mean, what could I do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and finally, Hirsch, just also looking back at your past, I mean, I, I, yeah. I put out a tweet the other day and I'd yeah. been chatting to the coach of Paul Russ and I asked him, who is the most talented schoolboy rugby you've ever seen in your lifetime? And his name's Stefan Jordan. And, and Stefan said, without a doubt, it was Damien Willemses. So, I put that out on Twitter. I didn't ask anyone to give their ideas as to who's the best rugby player they ever saw during schoolboy level. But um, yeah, I just mm. put it out there. And it started an unbelievable thread of people commenting. And without doubt, the majority of the names mentioned were was you. Uh, fly off for bishops. You went on to, to represent uh, Western Province SS schools. Uh, I mean, we always talk about the all-rounders when it comes to school schoolboy sports. Uh, yourself, Conrad Jainke, etc. I mean, it, we talk about regrets, but some part of you, would you have liked to have continued with rugby, for instance? I had to give up. I mean, I made SS school under 16 at football. I don't think a lot of people know that too, you know. I think if they look at the other rugby players and cricketers, I don't think there's one that's made SS school soccer <laughs> at, at, at school level. So I've got one over those. But um, out of the three sports, I would like to have probably, yes, have gone and, and played a bit of rugby. Um, it's an incredible sport when, when it's played the way, you know, that more consistently the way that it is in this play. You know, um, there's a lot more flair and a lot more instinctive, you know, instinct that they play with compared to. A lot of the other teams around the world, and that's what makes them so dangerous. But um, yeah, I think out of the three, I think rugby 
definitely. I, mean, I, I was so gutted after my injury in 94 that I, I don't know, I had to watch for a massive illness for like two years. But I was, I mean, I was just competing with Dave Stransky and um, who else was there? There was Flockis and there was a whole lot. Yeah, I remember that that Craven Week final, province up against the Free State. And, I mean, you look at that side, uh, a lot of Bishops boys. You had your Bishops halfback partner in David Van Husselen, mm. and, and you also had Cornet yeah. Cricker uh, operating in, I think, at eighth man. Yeah, and also I had Robbie Fleck with me, and I had Mon- Monty at fullback. So it was quite a solid Craven Week, and that's why we, we went on to, to win that, that particular week. Yeah, I mean, you are Slecky. I mean, Slecky is a great. We've got great memories together of playing a bishop. Um, it's a pity I didn't uh, carry on to play with him alongside alongside me. But uh, and and, and uh, Hirsch, finally, yeah. what, what do you have to do yeah. these days? I mean, you said you just got back to Dubai from Dubai recently as yeah. a commentator and analyst. Yeah, look, at the moment, Joe, I'm just trying to get into the you know the coaching side of things. I mean, I'd like to. Obviously, gain some experience by doing uh, the smaller T20 leagues around the world. Um, you know, just getting as much experience as I can with regards to uh, regards to that, and being head coach of these of these particular teams, and uh, work my way up maybe to the IPL and big bashes and you know CPL those sort of leagues. So that's what I'm looking to do. I mean, it's quite a, a tight knit sort of community with regards to getting your foot in the door with his, with his coaching but um, you know I've got I've got juice on my side which is lovely because a lot of the coaches have been around for a long time now and um, it's probably time for some new new faces and, and guys that have actually played the modern game you know and I think um, we're you know that from that point of view we can be uh, you know useful quite quickly with regards to that um, and, and make an impact straight away so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm ultimately would like to do, but uh, yeah, getting my foot in the door and is uh, it's, it's taking and taking a while, but I'm, I'm happy to bide my time for now. <laughs> yeah, you, you're certainly a young 45. Friends are now calling me Salusa. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. But, uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to struggle to find a young, more young at heart, uh, 45 year old. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm willing to take that bet. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay. Hirsch, finally, who's, who's going to win yeah. the 2019 Cricket World Cup? Oh, it's such a difficult one to say. Um, uh, if we make a final, I think we will go and win. So, can I leave you with that? You, is that not... Uh... You, you can, and, and, and other than us, who would you be backing? Well, who I looks think, the most uh, dangerous? Well, I think I think England's obviously uh, are probably out in our favourites because they in their own backyard, but uh, that'll obviously come with added pressure, being the host. Um, but I think uh, I think uh, I think uh, England by a nose egg over India. Hirsch, yeah. thanks so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Always entertaining chatting to you, and yeah, best of luck mm. for the future, and hopefully, uh, see you out on the road. Yeah, thanks, Derek. And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity of chatting and uh, look after yourself. But. Cheers, my man. You too. Bye. All right. Okay, start. Bye. Thanks very much to Herschel Gibbs giving his, uh, well, initially 16-man squad and deciding to cut Rassi van der Dissen from his 16 to make it down to 15. But one man, as mentioned, that wasn't featured and is probably the most eagerly awaited name to either see or not see when the squad gets announced is one Hashim Amla. Now, there was a very good piece in today's Star as well as the Cape Times from very well-known cricketing journalists Stuart Hess and Zaya Adams and they were debating should Hashim Amla be on that plane or not. Now, the man for Hashim Amla was Zahir down in Cape Town and the man against uh, Amla making the trip was Stuart Hess here in Johannesburg. Uh, welcome to the show, gents. So, yeah, I'm going to start with you. And, and Stuart, you're welcome to interject whenever you want to. Cool. But why why should Hashim Amla be in that 15-man squad to, to go over to the 2019 Cricket World Cup? Hi there, Derek. If you, if you read the, the piece, it's all about the numbers. I mean, I, I don't understand how you argue about a guy that's, that's in the top 10, 10 list of all time one-day batters. Uh, you know, he's the quickest through every milestone ever in the history of the game. He's just, it's just it's so much uh, 
weighing in, in his favour in terms of that, the, the fact that he's, like, the World Cup's in England and the contenders who are, who are pushing for the players haven't even played ODI cricket in England. So uh, I just think the experience that he does provide to that team is invaluable in a tournament such as Frenetic as the World Cup. Stuart, you mentioned the fact that World Cups and just regular ODIs are two very different beasts. And when you look at Tashim Amla's uh, record when it comes to World Cups and, and actually knockout tournaments in general, it's not that great. Yeah, it's, that's the one worrying factor for me, uh, Derek, is that um, we, we, we measure uh, ODI cricket and there's no denying um, uh, Hashim's fantastic fantastic numbers and, and statistics and, and, and the quickest to various landmarks. But uh, you know, ODI cricket is very much, it's a bit like, um, like the Rugby World Cup. You get judged on what you do at, at the World Cup when it comes to ODI cricket. And I know Hashim Amla's overall record at, at, at two World Cups is, is something like 40, he averages 42 and he's got 200. But the 200 has come against the Netherlands and against Ireland, matches where there was no pressure. Um, his record in knockout matches where pressure is at its highest is very poor. And even by comparison with some of the other guys, so it's one thing to have the experience and the composure. It's quite another thing for when you want experience and composure to work. And you want them to work when the pressure's at its highest. And sadly, in Amla's case, which is what I point out, is I don't think that, that he has used those two elements to his advantage or to South Africa's advantage. Zaya, I think... Derek, I, Derek, can, I, can I come in there? Can I come in there? With if, pleasure. If, if, that's, if, if that's the case, if, we, if we're taking World Cup numbers, then only Herschel gives us going to the World Cup. Because... Quinton de Kock had a terrible World Cup last, last time out. Um, you look at, you look at uh, Jacob Dumini's numbers in the World Cup. You look at David Miller's numbers in the World Cup. You look at all the guys that have played in the World Cup. Their, their numbers don't stack up that major tournament. So it's a collective thing about South Africa not stepping up, not Hachimamla. So I, I think that the fact that you, when you look at his numbers, you've got to look at everybody else's numbers. And then nobody goes to the World at, Cup. I, I can look at the other numbers too, and I would look at a guy like David Miller, who in knockout matches has got a very good record. I, I think back to his 2013, the semi final in 2013 of the Champions Trophy, when the rest of the team fell apart and he made a run of ball 50. Um, I think back to the semi final in Auckland a couple of years ago, um, which you and I were both at, and, 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 you know, with South Africa needing quick runs at the back end of that innings, he made 48 or 49 of 20 balls. And if you look at Quinton, who had a very poor World Cup in, in, in Australia, where did his best score come? Where was his best innings played? In the quarterfinal. In the quarterfinal, didn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, round over. Um, <laughs> Zahir, uh, another thing. I, I chatted to Herschel a little earlier, and I mentioned that uh, he omitted uh, Amla from his squad. And he made a few points, because you talk about history, and of course, history will undoubtedly pay a role, but... As soon as you bring in form, form certainly isn't on Hashim's side, and age isn't on Hashim's side. Thirty-six years old. I mean, this would, without a doubt, be his last World Cup were he to be selected. But uh, yeah, he, he's certainly on the wrong side of thirty. So, if, if you look at form in his last ODI series that he has played, he averaged over fifty. He, he was the only one to get a hundred um, in against Pakistan um, in the last days uh, out of the contenders that we're looking at. Um, if you look at uh, Aiden Marker's average, you look at Riza Index's average, and they're still hovering just, just in the 30s. They're just 20, in the 20s, late, high 20s. So if you're talking about latest form, uh, Riza Hendrix against Sri Lanka, he, he got the opportunity. It was a perfect opportunity if he wanted to push Ashim. Ashim I'm like, it was a perfect opportunity to lay down a, a marker. Unfortunately, he didn't do it against Sri Lanka. And, and, that, and that wasn't exactly a, a wonderful Sri Lankan attack that we saw in South Africa. So that's my concern that Nobody actually hasn't put their hand up and said, I want Hashim Amla to play. Stu? I do, I do agree with that to, to an extent, but I think there are sort of other elements that you need to, that you need to add into it. I know the batting is, is, is you know, the primary, the primary element here, but I look at other aspects of Amla's play in the last, in the last season. I, do, I would also like to have seen him sort of dominate some way at some point, even if it was just one inning, just to go, this is Hashim Amla, and he has fundamentally turned the game South Africa's way. I, I can look at someone like Rasi Pandudusan, who, in a very high-pressure situation in Durban, for instance, played a fantastic innings that against Pakistan that won South Africa that game in, in, in combination with, with Andile Peshlekwai and their big partnership that they had. And I just didn't see that from, from Hashim. And again, I say a player of that experience and that kind of class 
I'd like to have seen that somewhere because you need your leadership to play some sort of dominant role somewhere. We saw Puff doing it throughout. And I, and I don't think that I saw that from, from Amla in this last season. And I know he's got the highest average for, for among the senior bats from, or among the batsmen that were tried out. The other issue for me is South Africa's got a major problem with fielding that I don't know gets talked about enough. And Amla is, is a central component of the poor, poor fielding that we've seen from South Africa in the last season. Um, he's no longer a, a good slip, slipsman and um, he can't really be hidden in the outfield because he's not quick enough and he doesn't have a big arm. And I think, you know, with South Africa, it's the small percentages that are going to play a big part in the World Cup and fielding is going to be crucial. And if we're going to carry another guy in the field uh, or South Africa is going to carry another guy in the field, um, it's going to lead to, it adds to, the, to, to, to some of the problems that the team has. So yeah, the, the uh, fielding aspect certainly could be debated. No, 100%. I mean, Ashmamla was never a gazelle in the field. That, that, that has always been, uh, that's always, we've all known that. And, uh, and, and you've got youngsters like Adrian Markham and Lisa Index, uh, you know, throwing themselves around. So that's always going, that's going to count against Ash. But do we, how do you value that in terms of the calmness he brings to the dressing room? In terms of, you listen to Quentin Cock and you, you hear him talk about what, how, how he enjoys batting with Ash. And, and we all know how key Quentin is through South Africa's World Cup and, and that he's at his most comfortable when Ash is on the other end. So that, that's the value that I equate to, to the fielding, perhaps, that the calmness and the, and the experience that he brings to the rest of the, the batting lineup uh, further down. Another thing that would probably put a big tick in, in Hashim's favour, uh, Stuart, is his form in England. We all know that England's a, a very tough place to bat. We know that uh, Hashim certainly has flourished, uh, especially when it comes to the test arena, having scored South mm. Africa's highest ever test score in test matches over there. Um, but yeah, if you look at his ODR record in England, 18 matches, 851 runs, a higher score of 152 centuries with a, a good average of 56.73. Yeah, and a third of those runs came in one series, um, which is which I think kind of goes against it. That was that magical tour that he had in, in 2012 when when he when he scored the triple in at, at the Oval, and then he just continued that form throughout the um, throughout the one day series. I actually remember being in Birmingham when he got a standing ovation from that crowd after his last innings over there. That was that that if that version of Ashimamla was playing now, there is, there is no argument here. I wouldn't have written what I wrote. I'd look a fool. But that version of Ashim Amla isn't, isn't the one that we've seen in 2019. So it's one thing to say yeah, he had, he's got good numbers in England, but a lot of those numbers are padded up by one tour when you could say he was at the peak of his powers. And that's not the Amla that we're seeing now. Stuart, okay, so you don't have Hashim in your side. Of course, we've got the regulars. I, I spoke to um, Herschel about that as well. But uh, who, who makes your 15? I don't know if you've got your piece of paper in front of you or, or if you even know offhand. Uh, offhand, I can recall back. So I've got I've got Riza Hendricks in there. Uh, I've got Aiden Markham in there. I've got Rassi van der Dusen in there. And then the one big bone of contention that I have is that I put Chris Morris in there instead of Andrich Norkia because I think the all-round Chris Morris package is something that's of that's of great value. And I understand the inconsistencies, but I think that the, the, that that all-round package is something that um, you know you've got to be a really good side to ignore. A guy that can bowl 140, hit the ball miles, and he can catch anything. Uh, Zahir, uh, who gets the chop uh, in place of Hashim? This, uh, again, this is again, again uh, where Stuart and I differ. I think uh, a guy like Tony Pistorius, uh, we saw when South Africa went with the, the, the X factors as people term it in Wayne for now in 2015, and how uh, that bombed for South Africa instead of Ryan McLaren. And, and I'll, I'll go with Wayne Pistorius in that, in that regard. Um, he, every time he steps up, whenever he's been needed, um, whether it was with the ball, whether it was with the back, he, he just performs solid outings. And that's, and that's what, we, what you need, dependable, calm guys in the World Cup. So that, that's what I was going for. Uh, unfortunately, he's an index. Doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't make my, make my spot, unfortunately. Sorry, can I just interject very quickly because um, I have actually got Dwayne Pretorius in my spot as well. I've oh, got, do you have, do you have yeah, Dwayne? Okay. Yeah, Chris, the guy I don't have is, is the, the guy I don't have. I is think, okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that where you're going? Okay. Yeah. 
And uh, some interesting names thrown out by Herschel. I mean, I, I know just because I chatted to him now, so it's not by mm. no means um, the gold standard. But uh, he, he made some some interesting points. Bjorn Hendricks makes his squad because he says it's the only left-arm seamer he can find uh, that would qualify to make that side. And he said Tabrez Shamsi would make his squad if he were to lose five kilograms. Look, he's got uh, a very short amount of time in which to do it, given that uh, we're less than 24 hours away from the announcement. Um, and he also gave Russ funded this in the chop he said irrespective of numbers um he seems to be unable to kick on can i, can I, think, I, can I speak out in defense quickly of the bryce shams he's just set up a gym at his house yes i did see that <laughs> he's well on the way to losing those five kilograms that Herschel wants him to lose, I did, to lose. I did if, we're talking about lose if we're talking about losing five kilograms i get rory Kleinfeld in there because he's boiling like a gym at the moment so <laughs> <laughs> I need to, to slow down there a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and the Buren Hendricks comment? I think uh, South Africa's in, every team is basically you're going to look for a left arm seamer. You want you wanting you wanting that variation um, in the World Cup. Uh, if you look around the, the top sides, the Saint Paul's New Zealand, you know there's, there's always there's always the, the option of Sailor uh, with Mitchell Stark. You're always wanting that option. Um, unfortunately, I don't think. Uh, Buren's probably done enough. He's, he's got injuries at, at crucial times in the season when he when he really he should have kicked on. Uh, he, he did a couple of good things in the T20s, but unfortunately, he's just not kicked on at crucial times for him to to, to back that. And uh, again, I'm going to go with Andrew Kroki and, and the pace that he that he offers. Yeah, I'm going to agree with I'm going to agree with with uh, you on that because I watched Buren quite a lot at the start of the season here with the Eiffel Lions, and he was bowling beautifully. And if he had maintained that form and the fitness. Um, you know, he got picked for the national side against Pakistan, and if he had maintained that form and fitness, then I think he would have been close to to you know booking himself a seat on the on the on the plane. But unfortunately, his fitness hasn't has gone against him again. And when selectors look at that kind of thing, they also they don't just consider what has taken place this season; they're going to consider the the historic um, problems that he's had and over the course of his career. And so that's going to be. And so that's going to factor into their thinking. And unfortunately, you know, given that, um, yeah, he's, he's 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 probably going to not find himself going. And yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him either. I spoke about this a little earlier. India announcing their squad a few days ago, and they opted for Dinesh Karthik uh, as their backup keeper um, over Rishabh Pant, who, in my mind, is one of the most explosive batsmen uh, coming up uh, in international cricket. I, I was very shocked by the decision. I saw Stuart, you you commented on my tweet as well. South Africa going a different route in that we it looks almost a hundred percent likely that Quinton de Kock is going to be our first choice keeper, and the backup is going to man. Uh, be a man who's hardly ever worn the gloves in David Miller. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Zaya, do you want to go? <laughs> no, it's just um, I think I think that's that's just India's policy of, of of backing experience. They they like a couple of old hands in in their squad. I think in regards to the backup keeper, Australia haven't gone with a backup keeper. They've just they've they've gone straight out with uh, Alex Carey as well. So whether um, you know it's, it's a year, it's neither here nor there. Because I think the the rules are simple. If your keeper gets injured, you call home and, and, and on a plane again. I don't think special elements need a, a backup keeper in the, in the World Cup. Stuart? Yeah, I, I think that had, had um, Heinrich Klaassen really stamped his authority when he was given, I think he's got 15 or 16 ODI captain. Had he really stamped his authority in, 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 over the course of, of that year that he was given, um, the thinking would have been different. I know right up until the Pakistan series, in fact, Prof Dupnasi was still hoping that, that Klaassen would, would you know, uh, score more with the bat or be more dominant with the bat. And that just never happened. And, it, and, and very quickly in, in that period, uh, he had the rethink and then, you know, let it be known to, um, to Otis Gibson that he wanted to look at, at, uh, at David Miller or even Rassi van der as a as a backup keeper. They got Boucher in to come and work with him. I can understand the thinking. But it is a massive risk, and and I've had a chat with Barcher about this about this as well, and he was saying, and and goes back to something that he said over the course of his very long career, is that England is the most difficult place in the world to keep. And now you're going to ask someone that does isn't a regular keeper, and admittedly, you know, we're not asked as Otis Gibson mentioned so many times, they're not asking David Miller to to keep for three games, they're asking him to keep possibly for half an innings or one innings, um, but it's still going to be an immensely difficult task because. Keeping in England, as as Barcher has said to me a few times, is one of the toughest jobs in the world. Yeah. I, I have to agree with Stuart on the Henry Klaassen, um issue. I think that he was very much first in line uh, in the queue. I think he was even 
even if he hadn't had the gloves, they were looking at, at him as a, as a straight out batter in terms of within that middle middle uh, middle order. There was there was there was times when David Miller's um, place in the side was being questioned, and 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 Andy Klaassen was really given the opportunity to push on. Um, and then Rafi van der Dersen, unfortunately, unfortunately, we should say, he's come in and and really taken his chances where where Heinrich hasn't. So that's that's the dilemma that that you were sitting with uh, a couple of months out from the World Cup. Uh, you spoke about Mark Boucher. It's amazing. He's been quoted quite a, quite a lot lately in the build-up to this announcement. And it's quite obvious, given the fact that uh, the majority of the squad will probably come from the Titans. And one name that has been mentioned a lot over recent weeks is Aidan Markram. If you asked someone uh, two, three months ago, should he be in it? Uh, probably it would have been uh, more no's than yeses. Now it's definitely in the affirmative. And, and I love that question posed to him uh, a couple of weeks ago, Stuart. Um, would... Sh- would Aidan Markram being in your squad, and he said he'd he'd buy the ticket to send him to England. Yeah, look, I, I think the thing you did the the thing the thing with Aidan Markham is is the massive difference between what he does when he plays domestically for the Titans and what he has done for South Africa. And domestically for the Titans, he has been dominant, um, and it goes back a couple of years. And there's one nice thing about that that works in his favour is that I think he's got five domestic one day hundreds, and two of them have come in finals, which would suggest a guy that thrives playing in pressure situations. On the flip side, when you look at his international career, he, he, he just hasn't um, uh, cut the mustard, as it were. You know, he's, he's, I think he's averaging somewhere in the low 20s or even into the high teens. And he himself has admitted that if you just take his record as it is, his international record, then he probably isn't deserving of going to the World Cup. Against that, of course, is the fact that of his 20 or so matches, five of them came as captain which was a unbelievably risky and probably the wrong call made by the selectors to make him captain at a time against the best one-day side in the world, led by Virat Kohli, who was dominant. He was without A.B. de Villiers and Faf Duplessis for a whole bunch of matches in that particular series. And so he's feeling the pressure here, and he's still trying to find himself in the side. So they, they really dealt him an unfair hand at the time, and I think that has also not you know, kind of helped his career numbers when it comes to one-day cricket. So yeah, again, yeah. again, I'm I'm agreeing I'm agreeing completely with Stuart. The fact that he was made made captain um, that that was that was uh, I was boring on foolish I would reckon at the time. Uh, you have got a young batter who's who's making his way um, in international cricket, and you and you just and and you're thinking and the thinking is we're finding the next Graham Smith, which is which is a bit premature. Um, I think in regards to um, the other issue with with Adrian Markham and his one day career is uh, if. How many times has he actually opened the batting, or how many times has he batted in the middle order? So, where, what is his actually? Where do you want him to bat, and what is his best position for him to be successful? So, if you're going to go, if you're not going to take Hashim, then he, then Aidan Markham has to open the batting in the World Cup because I still believe that is when he's at his at his best when he opens the batting. He's got hundred for the Titans in the middle order, and but if you look at that hundred against the Cobras when the, the Titans were thirty-one for five, and he came in basically within the first 10 overs in that first power play. So he still had 40 overs to get him in and settle. So that's my, that's my thing with Aidan Markham. We'll see the best of him if he bats in his preferred position. Stuart, my daughter is turning four in a, a couple of weeks' time, and she still <laughs> believes in Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy, which is, is completely understandable. <laughs> However, I've met a couple of adults who still believe that A.B. de Villiers could be in that squad. Of course, it's not going to happen, but... Your final thoughts on, on AB and, and having pulled out when he did, and was it right or wrong? Oh, I think it was wrong that he pulled out when he did. I think there was a, there was a twofold thing that happened. I think from AB's point, he made a hasty decision. I think from Cricket South Africa's perspective, they should have at some point gone and sat down with him. You know, when he was in the South African side around the time of the Indian series and the, 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 the Australian series, and he was batting as brilliantly as he did in both those occasions, on both those series. Somebody should have just gone in and added word and said, "Listen, where are your, where's your thinking with regards to the World Cup? Um, do you want to play? What can we set up for you um, to enable you to play uh, in England in 2019?" From AB's perspective, I think once the series was over, he just went, "Well, I'm done." And and I think he should have maybe taken some some time out to think about it. Uh, to those people out there who, who, who like your daughter believe in Father Christmas and the Easter Bunny, you know he's not going to play in the World Cup. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, again, like I, I know for a fact that there, there were people who sat with him. I know that that Fox Duplessis sat with him for not, for for many nights, um, asking him what what is the plan, what is where are we going with this? 
Um, you, the, 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 when he came, basically, remember, he went on a sabbatical. He was away from cricket. And then he came back. And the, the, the entire the reason for him coming back was there was a big series against India. There was a big series against Australia. And the World Cup was going to be the swan song. That was the, that was the entire plan. That was sat with him. Unfortunately, um, as they say, uh, God is the best plan. And, and is he the God of South African cricket? You know, so that's, uh, that's where we're at. And uh, finally, Stuart, I, I, I loved your tweet the other day with regards to the IPL. You said the only reason why you've been watching it is to make sure that Kakis Robada comes through unscathed after every match that he plays uh, for the Delhi Capitals. He's been in sensational form. Um, as we speak, I think he's the holder of the purple cap. Um, but yeah, it's a very good point you make because while the guys are, are doing extremely well over in India, there's always the chance that they could pick up a World Cup ending injury. The, the element about that is that he's such a 100% committed cricketer. Um, it, it's, it's what he does in his bowling uh, and then in the field. He'll throw himself around to go and stop balls. I, was, I, I caught a quick glimpse of a Mumbai Indians game and, uh, the other day and this young Alzeri Joseph from the West Indies who plays there. And he was fully committed to a boundary save and he busted his shoulder. And I'm just going, <laughs> there's still four, there's three weeks of the IPL to go. I know what kind of player KG is. If he needs to go and stop a boundary, he's going to throw himself at a full tilt and there's, you know, 25% of South Africa's World Cup chances gone. So, yeah, I do. I watch the IPL and I hide behind my couch over here. I watch it through fingers. Just, you know, because him, Quinton, Imran Tahir, Pafu Pussy are all so important to South Africa's World Cup chances. And if something happens to them in the next few weeks, well, you know, bring out the tissues. <laughs> I couldn't care. <laughs> so, yeah, fi- final thoughts uh, ahead of the announcement and the World Cup. Do we stand a chance of breaking our duck? We always stand a chance, uh, Derek. We always stand a chance. We're always going to be there and thereabouts. Um, I think we, we're good enough to get to the semi-final. Um, there's enough quality within that side to, to get to get through the league phase. Um, I love the fact that everybody plays everybody. It's, 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 it's a battle of, it's, it's a real test of strength going back to 92. Um, I think we got it. we've got enough quality to get to the World Cup semi-final. We got, once we get there, as we've seen, we were all in Auckland um, four years ago. We sat there and we, and we saw what unfolded. That's when it, when it becomes a battle of the nerves and that's when pressure takes over and then anything, anything can happen. Stuart? Yeah, um, so this is anything can happen. We know exactly what happens with South Africa when the pressure's on the semi-final <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't quite share that level of optimism for this World Cup. I don't think South Africa can make can make the semi-final. Um, I will be very glad to be proven wrong. I will eat all the humble pie that anyone can 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 bake. Um, I I just think that you know, form-wise, consistency-wise, and the couple too many flaws in the South African team for, for my liking. So, you know, uh, like I said, I hope I'm proven wrong. <laughs> James, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining in the debate. Uh, uh, of course, uh, we can debate as, as long as we want, but it all comes down to that man tomorrow, Linda Zondi, the convener of selectors, when he announces the squad to take on the World Cup in uh, England. And uh, that announcement taking place at 1 o'clock South African time from Supersport. Gents, uh, yeah, I'll uh, be seeing you probably there. And uh, without a doubt, I'll, I'll be seeing you over in the UK. I, I can't wait. It's going to be a great tournament. And yes, hoping that South Africa do finally break the duck and uh, we can lean over more towards Zahir's level of optimism as opposed to Stuart's. <laughs> Fair enough, Derek. Fair I, enough. I believe in Father Christmas. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> I'll introduce you to that friend of mine who still thinks AB is going to be on that plane. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers guys have a great day we'll, you, uh, we'll chat soon bye, bye. bye. thank you so much Stuart Hess and Zaire Adams and as well as Herschel Gibbs from earlier yeah all eyes will be on Super Sports at uh, Thursday 1 o'clock as we await and see who will be on that 15 man list to go over to represent the Proteas at the 2019 Cricket World Cup we can't wait thanks for listening as always ciao Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.